0: Good morning. Ohayou gozaimasu! got back from Japan, and so I'll share a little bit about that today. But, um, yeah, welcome to Catalyst. Glad you're here this morning with us. You know when uh, you get a, a voicemail or a message on your phone... There's different types of messages. There's different levels of messages that, that we receive or that you could receive that require a different type of response. Let me give you an example. So this is a typical message you might get. Hi, you know, whoever, whoever you are. This is so-and-so. Oh, when you get a chance, can you give me a, a call back? No hurry, just when you get a chance, can you call me back? Hey, that's one okay like, okay it's like okay well when I when I have some time I call back but there's a the next level it says hi this is so-and-so you know I have, I have some important to tell you so please call me back as soon as you can right that's that's a little bit more urgent but there's a the next level hi this is so-and-so it's, it's really important. I have something really important to share, so call me back as soon as you can. Hey, that, that's another level. But you know, there's, there's even a higher level than that. If you get this kind of message, hi, this is so-and-so. You know, it's a matter of life and death. So call me back now. If you get that kind of message, what do you do? You drop everything. You call that person back as soon as you can. Because right? it doesn't get more urgent, it doesn't get more important if someone says it's a matter of life and death, right? Well, you know, there's actually a higher level, a more urgent, more important level of message. You know that? There's a more important level of message. And, and that, that, it even goes beyond this life and death. Can you imagine what that might be? What's this message? Hi, this is, let's say Paul. This is Paul, and I have a, such an important message. It's a matter of eternal life and death. Life and death is one thing earthly life and death. That gets us to drop everything, call back as soon as we can if it's a matter of life and death. But you know, when it's a matter of eternal life or death, that's a whole other level of importance. Life and death, we're talking about maybe the 70, 60, hopefully 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 years of life on this earth, which is a blink of an eye compared to eternity. And when we talk about eternal life or death, that's what Apostle Paul was all about. He was all about the message of eternal life and death. He's all about what we call the gospel message, the good news. That was on his heart. That was his conviction. That's what his priority was, the good news that Jesus came. God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come, and in him are found life, forgiveness of all our wrongs and all our sins, an eternal relationship with a good and loving father. That's what he was all about, and we see that over and over in the book of Acts. Today we're going to continue our series, making our way through the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, you can look on your phone. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, and ushers have Bibles available, you can follow along. But we're going to look at, Acts chapter 14, and we're actually going to just look at verses 1 through 7 this morning. So let's read it. I'm going to just read through it, and then we'll go through it section by section. Acts chapter 14, verse 1 through 7. Then the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Verse 5. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. Let's bow forward prayer. Lord, your message of life, your message of forgiveness, your message of redemption, your message of heaven awaiting and eternal, most important, eternal relationship, loving relationship, heart-to-heart relationship with you, that is good news. That is the greatest news in all the earth, in all of history, that we have a God who loves us enough to send your son Jesus that he took care of everything for us, that we could have loving, eternal relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we just ask in this time that you stir fire in in our bellies, in our hearts, in our minds. Stir fire and conviction about Your message of life. And Lord, there's really few things, if anything greater, than sharing that message with those around us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come, use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey, and I have a map here. Sorry, I forgot my laser pointer at home. But you can kind of see the, the blue line. They started off in, in Antioch, right? In Antioch, which is kind of near modern-day Syria. And they go, the blue line, they go to Cyprus. And in Cyprus, we, we went over this a few months ago. In Cyprus, they shared the gospel. They shared the good news about Jesus. And the, actually, the governor of Cyprus, he became a believer, so they go from Cyprus Blue Line, they go up to, and that whole Asia right up here, that's modern day Turkey. Right, and over there in the green, Acacia, that's modern day Greece. So pretty much in Turkey, they went, they go to Perga, and then he goes up, follow the blue line to another Antioch. It's Antioch Pisidia, all right? And that's where they, well, that's where they are, that's where they, that's where they were. Right. And in Antioch Pisidia, they shared the gospel, but it kind of stirred up a bunch of things. It stirred up actually like a like hornet's nest of activity. But on Paul's heart, as they went out on this missionary journey, there was basically two things on Paul's heart and Barnabas' heart. One, they wanted to share about Jesus with as many people as they could. They wanted to share about Jesus with as many people as they could. And two, they wanted to start Christian communities, Christian families all around where people can grow and support each other and love each other and and learn more about their relationship with the Lord together. So they wanted to share about Jesus with as many people as they could, and they wanted to start Christian communities. And they had just preached, like I said, in Antioch, Pisidia. They just preached there, but it actually stirred up. People believed, people were curious, and then people were, were against them. They were, and look, let, me, let me read it for you, the end of chapter 13, verse 50. Let me just read it. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust, from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So they preached the gospel. Some people, many people believed, but other people were angry and hostile, and they actually ran out of the town. And then Paul and Barnabas did this thing of, in those times, kicked the dust off their feet as a sign like, okay, forget this town, Right? We're moving on, and they they move on to Iconium. That's where we pick up chapter 14, verse 1, right? Chapter 14, verse 1. Now, Paul says, and we're going to look at Paul, three observations about Paul in this section. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So he was very confident in his identity in Christ, right? Right? he says everyone copy me copy what I'm doing copy who I am and he was confident about who he was in Christ and so when we see and what we see about Paul in chapter 14 we know okay copy him imitate Paul because Paul is exhibiting the new life of a believer okay So when we look at Paul's life, let's start with, again, chapter 14, verse 1. Three observations I'm going to make about Paul from this passage. The first one is this. Paul's priority, Paul's life priority was sharing the gospel and saving people. Let's look again, 14, verse 1. The same thing happened in Iconium. The same thing that just happened. Sharing the gospel, people believed, but people started attacking Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Okay, like I said, when they had left Pisidian, Antioch-Pisidian, there was all, they stirred up all kinds of controversy. And people were so angry, as we read, they actually forced them, ran them out of town. We don't know how they did that, but we'll see in this town in Iconium, they actually started stoning them. They actually started throwing rocks at them. So we can imagine it said in the previous town, right, Antioch, it says that they got stirred up, a mob was hostile, and they ran them out of town. But but even though that, that happened, even though they got booted out of town, many believed their message. Many were saved. And so the question I have is this. They go there, they preach, many are cursed, many are saved, but they stir up all this commotion, all this country. People are angry at them, people are hostile, and they kick them out of town. My question to you is this. Was it worth it? Was it worth it for them to go to this town to share about Jesus, cause all this commotion, so much so that people are angry and hostile at them, and kick them out of town? I think it's totally worth it, right? Because people received eternal life. People put their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, I think sometimes, I know for me, we get so caught up in the day-to-day-to-day issues of life. What we're going to eat what we're going to watch on TV, work situations, things going on. It's very easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day things, and then we forget some of the things that are the most important things in life, things that have to do with eternal life. You know, we put off thinking about the eternal destiny of our family of our friends we think oh it's okay we have time we could we could talk to them later you know we put it off but we don't know we don't know if they're going to have time we don't know what's going to happen and sometimes we get so caught up in day-to-day things we put off eternal life things. You know, um, like I mentioned, Dale and I and Matt, my son, we just went to Japan, and there was 11 of us from our church. We went to Japan for these thing called gatherings. Basically, at these gatherings, it's just people coming together from all over the world to seek God for a particular country or nation, generally. And so people were coming from all over the world to gather in Kyoto, Japan, for the sake of Japan. And in this particular gathering, there was about 1,500 Japanese from Japan, and there was probably about 1,500 internationals from all over the world. So there was about 3,000 people, which is, which is a huge gathering, especially a huge Christian gathering in Japan. And so when we come together, it's to seek God. It is to support the believers in that country. And you know in Japan, right, there's very few believers. And so for them to experience people from all over the world, I think they said from over 30 nations coming, believers, to say, we're here for you. We're here to love you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to support you. We're part of your family. We need you to step into God's destiny for you as a Japanese people, as a nation of Japan. Because if you don't step into your calling, we it'll limit us from stepping into what God has for us too. Because we're all together in this, we're all one body. And so for the Japanese people, that message was powerful. It's powerful because it's very, very difficult to be a, a Christian in Japan. And so for them, the, the people and the, the leaders, it, it was powerful. And, you know, there was many tears for them to experience the love, the support of the, of the greater of the greater body the greater family of God so so that was that was awesome but i think one of the main keys or one of the reasons of gathering there in japan it was people coming together exercising faith in the lord that with the belief and the faith that it was japan's time it was japan's time for god to move and author's spiritual breakthrough there. And different things happened, and I, I can't go into detail to take too much time, but different things happened. I, I believe Japan's going to experience a spiritual, spiritual breakthrough at this time. I do believe it's Japan. I, I, the leadership of the gatherings, I've I never seen them so with so much faith and so much conviction and so much confidence that it's Japan's time. And it's, there's actually the belief that once things move in Japan, that God's going to move in a new way, in end times kind of harvest. That's going to start. And, it, and it, was, it was really cool. So, um, you know, it was a real powerful time. One morning, this was after the gathering, one morning um, I, I woke up early and I kind of was walking around and I walked around Osaka train station. And Osaka train station, the train stations in Japan are crazy. They are humongous. They're these humongous places. And for those of you that like shopping, (laughs) Japan, I mean, there, I mean you walk into one, it's like a this one, it's like a what was it? 15-story building. Huge. And it's all shopping. I mean, one whole floor, it's like shoes, <laughs> and it's a huge one, and one whole floor, there's like desserts, one whole floor, there's like food, one whole floor, is men' clothing, I mean, excuse me, and that's just one, and they have hundreds of these huge, and, and the, the train stations, they're like little, they're cities, underground cities, so I went there, and I was there early in the morning, and I was there during, um, actually, rush hour, And so I was actually walking, and again I was walking on this big corridor. It's probably like as wide as this auditorium. I was walking, and people were going to work. I was walking from our hotel, and people were going to work, and it was kind of scary. (laughs) I know what a salmon feels like, like trying to swim upstream, because there was like hundreds of thousands, like walking towards me, and you know I was like walking on the side, right? And there's like it's just like like an army marching, like. One time, I was just sitting in a train station. I was kind of above on the platform, and I was looking at all the people, and just thousands of people just walking. And it's, in Japan, it's like, interesting, almost everyone, I'd say 90% of people wear black. And the men have black suits, and they're just like marching. And I was watching that, and as I was watching, I thought, less than 1% of these people know the Lord. Of all the thousands of people, out of every hundred that walked by, maybe just one. And um, yeah, I I felt like desperation for those people. It was like, when you think about eternal life and death, it was, it was sad. It was heartbreaking. It was, it, was, it was very, very sobering. But I believe, I believe that as many Christian leaders believe today, that we, and I I don't know if it's we who the we is exactly, because I don't know if it's if I'm too old to be in that generation, this is the but there's a generation living today that is going to see the return of the Lord. And I know like some of the gathering leaders, one of the key gathering leaders, he says, he told I, I never heard him say, he said, I believe the Lord's gonna come back in our in our lifetime. It's not going to be 50 years. It's not going to be 70 years. It's going to be in our lifetime. And that, that sense of urgency, not only the sense of importance, but the sense of urgency for people's eternal life, holding in, hold, being held into balance, that, that really struck me. Um, one of the things by being there is I, I personally, there was this thing that took place. I was part of this thing that took place. Um, it, it's hard to explain. I can't explain. But I was in experienced this thing, and I felt personally there was some kind of release for me, like breakthrough for me. And I kind of felt more like boldness stirring up in me. And so one night we were walking in this really famous tourist place. It's called Donton Buri. It's like this shopping thing. And, you might see pictures of Japan on Osaka. You can see pictures of this giant crab on this building and all these neat. So we were down there, and we were walking around. Actually, we were waiting to meet up with uh, Scott and Sakura Reese. They were there, too. And so we were going to meet up for dinner. And Dale and we were just walking. And then this guy, he, he kind of looks at me, this businessman. Looks like he was probably like in his mid-40s. He just stops me, and he says, welcome to Japan. And I thought, wow, he he must have heard me talking in English or something. And I go, oh. And he go, I go, oh. And I, I say, he goes, where are you from? And I go, oh, we're from California. He goes, California, welcome to Japan, right? <laughs> and then I go, oh. So we start getting in the conversation, and I start asking him. And he says, oh yeah, he's practicing English, and he was there, and he was waiting for a friend, and. So we start getting into this kind of conversation. And he kind of knows English, and he, you know, decent, but I know little uh, skoshi. I know skoshi of <laughs> Japanese. Very little Japanese. You know, so we're kind of trying to communicate. And I'm starting to think, like, I need to share with him. And so we're talking, but it's kind of hard to communicate. And I, he was saying, what are you here for? I went, Where he, we're here. How can I put this? Well, we're here for this big Christian conference. And I'm trying to explain to him. And then right then, as I'm trying, we're trying to explain it, Scott and Sakura come around the corner. I'm like, hey, hey, right? Because you're supposed to meet them down there. And then Sakura sees fluent Japanese. So I go, Sakura, come here. She goes, OK. And I kind of explain to her. So she's like, talking to this guy. Explain. I go, oh, I'm trying to tell him about this gathering. She goes, oh, no, 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 She's talking to him. She goes, oh? oh, and guy's like, oh, right, and we're getting to conversation, and we start talking, and then, you know, it's kind of talking about Christian gathering, different things, and so at one point, I just asked him, I said, so do you know Jesus, right, and then was like, oh, and then Jesus, and then to starts explaining to him, and I go, this is so cool, <laughs> and then so she starts explaining to him about that, and, we, and then we start, and we start talking to him, engaging him in this conversation, and then, at, at one point, I just said, oh, can I pray for you? And he goes, oh, yes, please do. So he closes. He kind of goes like this. And I put my hand on his chest. And I just start praying for him, that God has, uh, loves him, God has destiny for him, and, and sucks translating for me, and all these things, right? And um, it, was, it was really cool. And then we finished. He goes, oh, thank you. And then I thought, you know, I... I could, as we were talking, I could smell alcohol in his breath, right? <laughs> because, you know, like, Japanese, Japanese businessmen, a lot of times after work, they go out, they drink, and, you know, whatever. And then, so I thought, I wonder if this guy's going to remember that we even talked, <laughs> right? So then I thought, I felt like the Lord said, give him, give him something. So I thought, what do I have? I go, I'll give him one of my business cards. I had a business card. So I said, okay, I, I go, I want to give this to you because I want you to remember tomorrow that this really happened. That God has a plan for you, God loves you, and to remember this really, really happened. And I thought maybe even he'll email me sometime, right? So I, I gave it to him, and then you know, we said bye, and it was it was really cool. It was really cool. But I thought, you know, that's what. That's what people need. That's not only what the Japanese people need. That's what our friends and our family, the Bible says in Romans, how will they hear without a messenger? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And how will they know unless there is a messenger? And I know a lot of us, me, like, it's like, okay, well, try to build relationships, try to establish. But you know, we never share. We never take the step because it's scary, because we don't want to face rejection, because, I don't know, we're going to ruin our friendship, whatever. And all the lies of the enemy. people need to hear your friends your parents your relatives your loved ones your neighbors they need to hear and you know I know I've seen statistics on average people need to hear the gospel like I don't know what is eight or ten times on average before they receive and so Paul had that conviction that Jesus came to save people. That was his agenda. Jesus came to die to save people. And God wants loving connection with people. And I can think of very few things in life that is more important than that. And so that's observation about Paul. Paul's priority was to share about Jesus people would be saved. Secondly, Paul was undeterred by opposition. Let's look at verse 2. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 4. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. You know, I love this passage because it says in verse 2 that they spurned God's message, they poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. It says, but the apostles... This is a big but. This is a significant but. Right? They were getting hostile to them. But. But. They were encountering opposition. But. They were experiencing hostilities against them. But. They were encountering warfare, but they were being criticized, but it says, but the apostles stayed there longer, preaching boldly. They were getting criticized. They were getting opposition. They were getting hostility. They were being rejected. But in the face of that, what did they do? Run away, hide, apologize. No, they even stayed longer. They stayed longer. They preached more boldly about the grace of the Lord. You know, what I found for me, probably for you too, is that whenever I face opposition or difficulty, a lot of time, I autom- automatically assume, oh, this must not be God's will. You know, like we're going something, I feel like God wants me to do this, I'm doing this. If we encounter some opposition, I go, okay, well, maybe, I guess that's not, maybe that's not God's will. When in fact, that might be precisely what God wants you to step into. That's what they did. They were doing what they felt the Lord wanted to do. They were facing all kinds of hostility, criticism, and then they stepped into it even more because they knew what they were doing was what was on God's heart and was so critical and important. You know, a lot of success in life, in anything we do, a lot of success is determined by how we handle difficulties. It's about how we handle difficulties. Difficulties. Gold is refined by what? Fire. Kites fly because of what? Opposition of the wind. You know, years ago there was a study done, this is years ago, it was called Cradles of Eminence. And it was to find out by looking at the lives of some of the greatest people of the time, great people that had done great, amazing, outstanding accomplishments. It was Is there a common thread amongst all these people who have achieved these great things? You know what they found? The one thread between all these great people? It was that almost every single one had overcome a very difficult obstacle in their life in order to become who they were. Sometimes when we encounter difficulties, sometimes when we get opposition, sometimes, God forbid, we would face criticism. I don't like criticism. I, shy, I run away from criticism. I don't like criticism. But sometimes, sometimes that's exactly what we have to put our face into and head into that with even greater determination. Paul and Barnabas, they knew how important it was for people to hear the gospel, and they were not deterred. They were not deterred. You know, on a side note here in verse 3, it says, interestingly, it says, and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. What I've noticed in the Bible, you know, we're trying to grow in that as a church over our 13-year history, right? We're trying to grow, and we want to see the power of God. We want to see the Holy Spirit move. We believe that God can heal today and do miracles today. We believe in the full gifts of the Spirit, right? The other day I was going through, reading through again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, eagerly desire the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. It says, eagerly desire. Do not despise. Do not shy away from tongues pursue those things because in those things it's the power of god moving so we've tried to groan in that but what you don't want to notice in the word a lot of times signs and miracles or wonders they're associated with people trying to evangelize other people that's when god i feel like that's when god is much more willing to move in that kind of power when it's when we are taking steps of faith to engage in witnessing to someone, then he brings that as a sign to help convince them that what we are saying is true. Very interesting. And so next time you're witnessing, someone needs healing, pray for them. Pray for them. Because I think, doesn't that, that makes, just makes sense to me. Right? God's heart is to save people. You're trying to witness to them so that they will be saved. Doesn't that make sense that that's where he's going to bring his power? Not that he won't work if we're praying for one another to be healed, right? He won't work then. But I think he's much more like, yes, you're sharing, you're trying to connect that person with me. That's what I want. He's much more open, willing to bring his power to do miracles. That was just a bonus point for you. Okay. Back to the thing. When we think about doing anything great, when we think about sharing Jesus with another person, we will encounter opposition. But we have to know there's nothing more important than what we're doing. Okay, finally, third. Paul was motivated by love. Paul was motivated by love. Okay, let's look at uh, verse 6 and 7. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lyconia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe, and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. You know, as I read through this, I asked myself, after all that Paul and Barnabas had been experiencing... What compelled them? What was, what was the underlying motivation? I know that they believed in the gospel. They believed that Jesus, the messages that Jesus could save people. I know they believed in that, but what was, their, what was the fire in them? What was the underlying motivation in their hearts to continue preaching? Because after all this, and since they go to a new town, then they still preach. They get to a new town, they start preaching more. What was the underlying motivation and you know what? I came to the conclusion as I thought about this and thought about other passages. It's L-O-V-E, love. That was what fueled them. They loved people. They loved people. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men, can you get it? Okay, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a sounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all loves, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. You can have the greatest greatest prophetic words. You could share the heart and mind of God. You could get revelation from the Lord. But if we don't have love, he says, it's nothing. You could have all knowledge. You could be the most intelligent, brilliant person in the world. You know, we get dazzled by people on who wants to be a millionaire that can just fly through and get to the top, or on Jeopardy, who knows all those answers. Or people that are brilliant, we get enamored by their intelligence, by their knowledge. But he says, if it's without love, it's nothing. He says, you can even have faith, the kind of faith that can move a mountain. That can say to this mountain, go, and it goes. That much power and faith. But if you don't have love, he says, it is nothing. And he goes on, he says, If I give all of my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. If we are not growing in love, in our love for other people, all the gifts, all the knowledge, all the faith, all the acts of charity mean nothing. Loving people is the highest thing, the most important thing we can do. Kind of think about that for a minute. Of all the ways we want to grow in our Christian faith and all the things we want to learn in our Christian faith, and all the dreams we have for Christian faith. All of that is nothing if we're not growing in love. Love for other people. Paul loved people. Barnabas loved people. That was the fire in them. And they knew the most important thing I could do to love another person is to share with them about Jesus. Because that's their eternal life at stake. Who are your loved ones? Who would you call your loved ones? Let me tell you the greatest thing you can do for your loved ones is share with them about Jesus. Pray for them to know Jesus. Invite them to places where they could hear about Jesus. That's the most loving thing you can do for the people around. You know, Easter's coming up two weeks and you know what's really cool about Easter? It's the one, I think it's the one holiday more than any others that's explicitly Christian. The reason we have a holiday, you get, kids get a whole week off for Easter. And it's not the bunny. And people know it's not about the bunny. It's explicitly Christian Holiday, Christmas, you know, it's kind of been tainted, commercialized. All these other holidays, it's about something Easter is about Jesus. And so, I want to encourage us as a church family. Let's show our love. Let's show our love to our loved ones. By taking a step of faith. Inviting them to come to church. Committing to pray for them. Committing to talking to them. Now, if you invite someone to church, that's first step. That's great. That's awesome. And if, But if they come, we have to follow up. Oh, what did you think? What did you think about Pastor Sam's awesome message? <laughs> I thought this was really cool. It really spoke to me when he... They talked about that. What do you think about that? What questions do you engage? Talk. Because they will not come to faith without hearing the message. So I'm gonna have the worship team come up now. And I'm gonna have us ask the Lord. Is there some people that he wants us to invite to reach out to to share about Jesus with in the next several weeks? Okay? Okay, so let's just take a minute. Maybe maybe Megan, you could start playing a little. spirit would you just come and would you just lay people on our minds bring people to our minds put people on our heart people that don't know you lord that you want us to reach out to would you just start stirring and bringing people to our minds to our hearts And Lord, would you fill us? Would you fill us to overflowing? Would you release in us, Lord, your great love? Your great love for us, God. And your great love for them. That you would release that in us and stir that in us in such a way, Lord, that it overcomes, overwhelms any fears, Any apprehensions, Lord, any uh, false notions or lies uh, that keep us, Lord, from stepping out to share with our loved ones about you, God. Would you let your love and compassion flow in us, Lord? So even in our invitation, it would be just sprinkled, drenched in love. So the person will know, Lord, and will sense, oh man, they they just really care about me.
1: And as the Lord
0: starts bringing people to your heart and to your mind, I want to just ask that you would just start praying for them right now. Right now in your seat, you just start praying. You just start lifting them up to the Lord. You start just asking the Lord to to touch them, to reveal himself to them. Lord, you would prepare their hearts to be receptive, Lord. The Lord would prepare their hearts to be receptive. Lord, would you release in our church family a, a new unseen, unexperienced level of boldness in our church like we've never experienced before that's that's fueled by your love, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you bring your fire, Lord? Would you bring fire, Lord? Bring your fire that, that would burn in us, Lord, that we would carry that, Lord, That we would, we would sense and feel, Lord, the eternal life and death consequences of what's at stake, God. And that we would not put things off. We would not put things on the sideline. We would not say, okay, well, I'll like later, later, later. We would, but we would earnestly seek you now for them. For opportunity, Lord and your timing to act. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for those that have invited people in the past, and, and they've come, they've come to a holiday. Lord, I know sometimes, Lord, it takes them coming to holiday services for many years before it actually sinks in. But Lord, they would, you would just encourage, Lord, that... There's something there. They keep coming out to the holidays. They keep coming out. And um, you're working on their hearts. So, Lord, would you just give that word of encouragement, Lord? So thank you, Lord. All these, Lord, that we're lifting up before you, all these that we're naming before you, God, just move in their lives do miracles in their lives by your hand, Lord, that would bring them to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, as we come before you now in worship, to worship you, to connect heart to heart with you, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring a filling of you in our lives, a filling of love and grace in our lives. Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your good news. In Jesus' name. Amen.